message that is really, really burning in my heart. And uh, I'm hoping, you know, probably not just tonight, uh, in an observation of it, I'll bring it to, to the whole church um, on a Sunday so everyone can hear. And it's so important. How many want their prayers answered? I mean, you really want your prayers to be heard by God. No doubt about it. God will answer. If that's you tonight, listen closely. Because sometimes God lifts up things from the scripture and your eyes are open. The simple, Jesus just like he's speaking, but then your eyes get open. And you've missed it all along and been doing other things. Instead of accepting this one thing with other things so that God can truly work in your life. And this is a kind of an obscure scripture that God just opened my eyes to. And uh, I'm praying that uh, this will be the case. I've been praying about this, God. <laughs> I just want this in my life. Amen. So what the message is titled, Adopting, Adopting the Cause of Christ. Adopting the cause. I, I couldn't title it properly, so this is the best I could come up with, okay? <laughs> Father, I just ask that you speak to us today in your, from your word so that we can go to another level of our commitment to you and our commitment to the cause, the, what you've given to us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I see a parallel from the time the children of Israel left the uh, land of Egypt, the land of bondage. And that's like us in the land of bondage before we got saved. And we are on our way to the promised land. I see a parallel there. And, and the person that God used to bring them out of Egypt was a type of Christ, Moses. And if you remember, I'd like to put these things together, kind of laying the foundation here. If you, if you remember, Moses said, a prophet like unto me, God will raise for the last generation, that's our generation, in referring to Jesus Christ. And he said, whoever doesn't listen to this prophet will be cut out of the land of the living. So Jesus, uh, Moses was a type of Christ to the children of Israel as he brought them out of Egypt. And Moses knew that, that he was, he was that kind of a, a person. But then Moses took them off the land on their way to the wilderness, but they hadn't gotten to the promised land yet. And Moses died. And Moses was taken away. Remember, God buried Moses himself. And he, his burial place. So no one can, could find his burial place. So Moses' body was on the earth, but you can't find where he was buried. God kept his secret till today. But then after God took Moses, Joshua came into play. And that's Joshua is actually the same name as Jesus. And he was to take them to the promised land. And in Joshua chapter, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says it this way, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, who was 
Joshua, Moses' assistant, the type of Christ. He was his assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go. Go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. The key word there is the word go. They were at the brink of entering the promised land, and God was telling them, I want you to go, you lead them, go over. Now, if you read in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 19, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. And make disciples of all the nations. In other words, I want you to go into the land. Make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. Amen. You see... God chose certain people just as the transfer was from Moses to Joshua and those that were with Joshua to go and possess the promised land. God has chosen people that he himself had picked and sent them forth according to Matthew chapter 28 to go and make disciples of all nations. In John 15, verse 15, this is what Jesus says. You did not choose me. That's talking to us. Just as God chose Joshua to go, Jesus is saying, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. The same go is many times when we read this scripture, we are thinking of fruit of the Spirit. That's not what he's talking about. You don't go anywhere to bear fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is called the fruit of the Spirit that is manifested in you. If you have the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit is going to be manifested in your life. That's not your business to go to do anything about it, you just allow the Spirit to be Himself in you, and you will have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, patience, kindness, those are from the Holy Spirit. If when the Holy Spirit is on you, they will manifest themselves on your life unless you oppose them or refuse it. But this is to go. It says, go and bear fruit, and that your fruit shall remain. Make sure that the fruit that you bear should remain. And I see that as the same as Matthew 28, where he says, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That's what he's talking about. Not going to bear fruit of the Spirit. No. Go and bear fruit and allow the fruit to remain. Make sure you disciple them. Don't just win them, but disciple them. Make sure they stay. 
Can you get it? That's what he's talking about here. He says, you did not choose me. I chose you. Every one of us that's born again, you have been chosen by Jesus and ordained or appointed by him to go. That's what he's telling every one of us. Go and bear fruit. You cannot be a Christian that's barren. You must produce your kind. If you're barren and you cannot produce your kind, something is wrong. Your womb was not formed properly. But God doesn't create his perfect being in Christ. That's perfect in the sense that the Holy Spirit created you and leave you without the ability to bear fruit. And God commanding you to bear fruit. He says, you can do it. I chose you. I appointed you. I ordained you. You can do it. Bear the fruit and disciple them. Make sure your fruit remains. And what's the result of that? That whatever you ask, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give to you. You see, why our prayers are not answered? We are so concerned about our own things. We are not concerned about bearing fruit. The fruit that remains. No one is concerned about the kingdom of God anymore. Everyone is concerned about how I'm going to get ahead. I am going to pay the bills. I am going to get a new car. I am going to get... Nobody, nobody is concerned. And then they are, you know, plagued with all kinds of difficulties. Your home is going down. Everything is going down because you are not focused on the real issue here. I appointed you. I chose you from the world. I made you the light of the world. I made you go out and reproduce yourself. On Sunday, I'm going to be preaching a message on the family. You will see that God is a family man. He wants to reproduce himself. That's the essence. From the very beginning, when he created Adam, that was what was in God's mind, to reproduce himself. He created him in his own image. And then he told him, multiply, produce yourself. I want, I like me. I want us to fill the whole place. All of them looking like me. And the same thing is doing today. And if you don't get in his program, if you don't adopt his course, you're out of it. Why should it give you resources when you are not doing anything with these resources? You're using it for your own good, for your family, for your pride, so that people see you're doing well. It won't work that way. No wonder your prayers are not answered. He says, bear fruit and allow your fruit. Make sure you do everything to allow your fruit to remain so that when you ask the Father anything in my name, he'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. You're so focused on the things that are coming. And Satan knows. As long as he gets, he has you cornered, thinking about your well-being and how you can survive and all of that. And you're not focused on the kingdom of God, looking for all this crazy stuff and, and signs and whatever. It, but not focused on what God really wants from his, his sons. You cannot be born again and have no desire to bring somebody to Christ. He's, he's, something is wrong. And that's why God is not answering a lot of prayers. Because people are so concerned about what's going on in their life. I want God to prosper our church. I want God to give us showers of blessings. But how can your prayers be answered when you are not concerned about the things of the kingdom of God? 
Satan keeps multiplying the problems in your life because he knows if he does it, your mind will stay focused on your problems and you keep going over into your problem. But if Jesus is said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that they are killing for, that they are dying for, and doing all kinds of crazy stuff about, I'll pour them into your life. That goes with this word. Go and bear fruit. Allow your fruit to remain. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, it doesn't matter what. When you are bringing souls to Christ and they are so staying in God and you can see them and you say, God, I need more, you know, I need to do this. I need to go out to do this. I need this missionary work. Give us the money to do it. Whatever you ask, he's going to give to you. God, you can't allow this. See, my children, they're going to mess up my witness and I can't do well. And God says, I'll take care of your children so your witness is not messed up. And your, Muslim, your witness is powerful. And so he takes care of them while you are busy doing his work. The work that Satan has done is to make Christians so focused on their problems. They are so focused on their problems, all they keep crying to God for is, take care of me. And God says, yeah, I'll take care of you, but who's going to take care of my cause? That's the issue here. You know, I love our Lord Jesus Christ, and I know you love him as well. But when Jesus took on the cause of the Father, I mean, he, he consumed him. In John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus says, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me. That's what Jesus is saying here. He said, I chose you, and I'm telling you to what? Go. That's sending. He's sending you. He sent us. He says, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. I am I'm not going to eat until I have finished his work. What does that mean? God still has some work to do on the earth. But he doesn't have hands and feet like we have. He can't just appear in the house of somebody who doesn't know him. They'll faint and they'll be be gone if God just appears. But he wants to use you to reach out to them. And that's what Jesus, Jesus said, I must be about what? My father's business. He said, I always do the things that please my father. So whatever he needs, he gets it from the father. No, No doubt about it. He lived on this earth as a man, a real man, and used the principles in the scriptures to get whatever he needed. He said, I don't speak my word. I only speak what he tells me to do, to say. I don't do anything till I see him doing it. He was so connected. Why did he say those words? Because he wanted us to know how to connect with the Father so that the Father can do the same thing through us and in us. That's what Jesus said. Jesus also said in, in John chapter 9, verse 4 and 5, he used the word, I must. That's compelling. I must do the works of him who sent me. The night comes when no one can walk. We are still in daytime right now. The night comes when no man can walk. I must do the works of him that sent me. The works of him who sent me. 
the night come when no man can work. As far as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus made us the light of the world. And as long as you are in this world, you are the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. You are the light of the world. And you, if you are the light of the world, you have a work to do. You must do the work of your father and finish the work. You have to do the work. You have to do the work. Paul said, I believe it's 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight. There is a fight that's called the good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I believe, he said, I have fought not a good fight. I have fought the good fight. So there is a good fight for us to fight. Fight the, fight, the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. The good fight of faith. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. In other words, I protected the faith. I made sure the faith stood. I contended for the faith, Paul said in another place. I contended for the faith. I made sure that the faith of Jesus Christ, as long as I'm in, on the earth, I am the light of the world. I will fight for the faith. I will stand for the faith. I will contend for the faith. Christians don't want to contend anymore. All we want is some pillaging. Nobody wants to work for God anymore. No wonder, or Satan knows, he knows that if I give them trouble, they'll forget him. Because they will be focused on their troubles. But if you give your troubles to him, the Bible says, cast your cares upon him, for he cares for, he cares for you. But we don't want to do that. Because we don't care about this kingdom, we can't cast our cares on him. And so our prayers are not answered. Things are not happening in our lives. It's hard to go because when you are not close to God and you are not fully connected to what he's doing, there is no power. You got no power. You are so easily discouraged. Every little thing discourages you. It's raining. This is not a good day to go to church. I'll stay home. Oh, yeah. That's what's going on in the church. There's no force there. Because God is focused on those who are doing His work. And He's blessing them greatly. All over the world, I'm telling you. He's blessing them because they are fully connected. That thing has consumed them. They want to win souls. We have to do that. We have to do that. There's always a promise. When you go. For Joshua, it says in Joshua chapter 1 verse 3, it says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tre uh, tread on, I have given you, as I said to Moses, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. 
as I was with Jesus, if you will allow me, okay, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Have you heard that word before? Coming from the mouth of Jesus? The same way. The same way. Everything, when you are out doing it, when you go with that word, go. Everywhere you go, they'll make way for you. Everything you claim, you set your, the soles of your feet on, that's your person. Nobody's going to take it from you. Whatever you ask is what you get. That's what he's saying here. That's the promise. As I send you to go, you go, and I'll be with you, and everywhere you go, you'll have success. Amen. That's what he's saying. Everywhere you go, you'll have success. No one can truly oppose you and overcome. That's what he's saying. No man will be able to stand against you. They won't be successful. You will make it only if you go. Only if you go. I tell you what, you will really begin to know God's joy and how God moves when you start reaching out to people. It is an amazing thing. You know, that's the major thing that I truly miss today coming from this side of, of, of the church life. I miss it. Because it's an amazing, just like what the brother shared in the shared tonight. Amazing things happen. Amazing things as you reach out to people, as they come to you. And you are amazed at what God is doing. You know, I remember back there in Nigeria, when God was using me in those, in those days, I did a lot of uh, deliverance. My schoolmates who knew me well, you know, the sister was possessed, and I knew the situation. I couldn't do anything with it. But you could see he was begging me like, you got all the power. You do this. He was looking at me. He called his mother. Please beg him. I had to tell him, now, Joseph, you remember? This is good luck. You remember me? Look in my eyes. I, I can't do anything about it. It's your sister's problem. If she's willing to be free, I'll free. She'll be free. But remember, Joseph, I'm good luck. The same person that you know, except that I received Christ. But he, in his mind, I was no longer the same person. I was somebody to look up to because he's heard all these things about me, what God was doing. But it wasn't me. But it's just because at this stage, just focus on helping people. Winning souls for Christ. Helping them receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Pursuing after them. Having Bible studies so that I can get them to church. Amen. Hey, it's very exciting. Really exciting. And God begins to do things. You ask a question, he gives you a reply. Instant. You're confronted with a situation and you say to God from your mind. And you say, God, I don't understand what's going on. He tells you right there so that you can handle the situation. But when you are not busy for the kingdom, he doesn't pay attention. Ever. All you want is your own stuff. You got to get focused on the kingdom of God. And I think that's what God is calling the Ark Fellowship Church. He wants the people of God to be so enthusiastic about reaching out for souls. A lot of times Christians are thinking, that's pastor's business, to bring the people in. Well, if you want to look at it in the way God puts it, shepherd and sheep, right? 
the pastor represents the shepherd, right? Well, shepherd, the sh- shepherd is a man, right? <laughs> Please understand me. I'm not trying to insult anybody. But shepherd shouldn't give birth to sheep, right? Sheep do. The shepherd's job is to take care of the sheep, right? And then the sheep give birth and multiply. That's not to say the shepherd himself is in this in this light is not a sheep. I have to bear fruit as well. But it's not the way it's wrong in the church when people think it's the pastor's job. That you got it wrong. It's our job. All of us. We are all sheep. Amen. We are all sheep, and we must go out and try to get the people. It's not about having a big church. It's about bringing souls to the kingdom of God, adopting God's cause on the earth, making it your own, just like Jesus did, and he was consumed by it. He didn't care what anybody thought about it. He was out to bring people to his Father. We have to do exactly the same thing if you want God to work in your life. And I guarantee you, if you get addicted doing that, your life will never be the same. Something is going to change. Something is going to change. Because God will start speaking to you. And, and, and you have to understand this. When God speaks to you about anything, when He leaves, the power and the ability to do whatever He's asking you is de- was deposited while He was talking to you. Your life is different. That's the way God gives to you. There's always a promise. With the believer, after Jesus told them to go, he says, These signs follow them that believe. Mark chapter 16. These signs follow them that believe. Those who believe. In my name they shall cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any, anything deadly, it will, not, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I really firmly believe every one of us can do this. Because in another scripture, the Bible says, Jesus said, Lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. And then in Mark, he says, After they heard these things, the disciples went everywhere. The Lord walking with them, confirming the word with what? Signs following. It didn't matter who was doing the going. If they went and they spoke, guess what God did? He confirmed the word. If you tell them about healing, he confirmed his word. If you tell them about baptism in the Holy Spirit, don't matter who is speaking. If you tell them, he confirmed his word. I remember my friend Leslie, he's going to be with the Lord. We went to Florida and we had this Baptist preacher preaching on the Holy Spirit. And he was really good. But he didn't believe in speaking in tongues. And Leslie got filled with the Holy Ghost. And Leslie was speaking in tongues and he was so excited. He said, that preacher preached really good. God filled me with the Holy Spirit. And Chuck said, uh, uh, did you know that that's the Baptist preacher? He doesn't speak in tongues. <laughs> but he preached the word. And God confirmed his word. If you go, God will confirm His word with signs following. And then whatever you need to get this work done, God will make it available to you. That's the confidence I have with regards to the Ark Fellowship. We will never come to a place, can everyone say amen with me? We will never come to a place where we can pay our bills. 
Even if you refuse to pay your tithe. Because somebody else is going to pay. Somebody else is going to pay. That's between you and your God. But I know that this is the work that God has called us to do. And by the grace of God, I'm asking God, give us grace, the leader's grace, so that we stay focused. Focused on what you called us to do. And as long as we are doing what you called us to do, we can never be in need. God will always meet the need. We will always be able to pay our bills because God will make the provision for us. He will. That's what it says. Gold, bear fruit, allow your fruit to remain so that whatever you ask, the Father, in my name, he'll give it to you. I got a good formula here. Amen. For me, don't know about you. This is a great formula. I work really hard. Keep them there, okay? So that whatever I ask from God, I give. Amen. You know, God is such a good God. He spoke to, to, to David. He said, after David sinned and everything, and he said, David, you know, you are my servant. Why did you do this? You could have asked anything from me. I'll give to you. I won't stop. If you had a need, why didn't you talk to me? I would have given you. Why did you do this crazy stuff? They mess up our relationship. So God is willing to bless his people if his people will do his work. We must always wait on God. You know what it means to wait? In my mind, in my mind it's waiting on God, waiting for him to work. That's good. But when you go to a restaurant where you serve, don't people serve you when you go there? They wait on you. We are his servants. He calls us friends when we are listening to him and doing what he wants. Then he begins to tell you more than what a master tells his servant. Is that not what Jesus said? I don't call you servant. I'm your master. You sit down before you wash your feet. You call me master. Lord. Yes, I am that master. But I don't call you that because when you are a servant and you are doing what I want you to do, you adopt God's course, I don't call you a servant anymore. I call you my friend. And he said, a master doesn't tell his servant everything that he's doing. But I don't call you servant anymore. I call you friend. That means I'll tell you everything I'm doing. I'll give you the secret of what's going on. I want to get there. I want to get there. But you don't get there by just praying. You don't get there by just reading the scripture. You get there by doing what he wants you to do. By just reaching out and bringing more souls. You can have somebody who is new and is winning souls. Watch out. You see how God will raise this one man and just change the whole community. That's what I believe happened with Billy Graham. Love to win souls. And God said, stay with it and I'll show you, I'll show the world what this guy can do. That's the key there. We have to do what God calls us to do. So important. There is a nature of this servant. I see this among Christians a lot. We do a lot. It's like running real fast and you're out, you know. 
they call it burnout, right? That should never happen to any Christian. Burnout? Jesus, you should say, I don't know what that word means. You can't burn out doing God's work with all of your heart. It's impossible. You were already burnt out with the Holy Spirit when he got you. <laughs> he burnt you out. What do you mean burn out? If he came on you, he burnt you out. There's nothing more to burn out. You were burnt out the very first time you took it on. There is no need for burn out. You know, with Joshua, God said to Joshua in verse 6, chapter 1, it says, be strong and what? Of a good courage. That's very important. Be strong. As you go doing my work, I want you to be strong and be of a good courage. For to these people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to to their fathers to give them. Again, the same word. Only be strong and courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. That means, the law means according to the word of God. You need strength and courage to do God's word. You don't just do it for a while and then decide, it's not working, I'm going to quit. I've gone out and I've tried, I've spoken to people, no one is getting saved. Don't look to that because you sow, some other person is going to water, and God is the one that gives the increase. Your business is to sow. Forget about it. And when you can't sow because somebody's been there and I've sown, water them. God is the one that's going to give the increase. Don't get discouraged. I am encouraged today because when I go home and around, Angela and I were in Georgia, you don't know what God's doing. These people come and I, you can't even remember when you met them. And they have this strong connection with you because your life touched them and their lives never been the same since then. And you are totally unaware of it. You may remember the situation, but you don't remember them. I shared with you about a, a fellow who is uh, an associate minister now in Georgia. He's talking about how he, got, he received the Holy Spirit. But that was a time in my life, anything that moves is a Christian, I want them to speak in tongues. I was excited about this thing. I mean, everywhere I went. First question, are you born again? He says, yes, I will get that interview right. And if he's really born again, now there is something better for you. God wants to give to you. And when they receive the Holy Ghost, it's like a wind. and go to another person. Finally, I was excited about this. I didn't know about what the result would be. But today, there are people who are ministers of the gospel. Up here and back in Nigeria as well. That's exciting. And so that's what God says. Be strong. Don't get discouraged. He says, you will be able to do everything that God has commanded you to do. Let me share with you how to stay strong. How many want to know that? 
Amen. Stop doing what God called you to do. Because You know why? Because discouraging times will come. Right? You can't, you can't miss it. Tough times will come. Difficult situations will come. There are times where you feel like, I'm not accomplishing anything. It's not working. And the devil will concord with this. You're right. It's not working. And give you more. And preach his little gospel to you. Just to distract your mind. But this is what God told Joshua. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you must meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Okay? Meaning, you're not going to suffer discouragement. You will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. And then he added, have I not commanded you again, be strong and of a good courage. Now, the word courage means to be brave, to be daring. That's what it means. To be brave, to be daring, not to give up, to be audacious, bold. Just because Jesus is saying, you go out, you preach the word, and you tell them, God's going to do this right here. You don't really know, but you're bold. Let me share this as I close. In Jesus' ministry, he had two things in mind as he went about preaching the gospel all over the land. The first thing was to deal with the crowd. You remember that. He spoke to the crowd, and out of the crowd, disciples will come. But as he was doing that, the second aspect, he was also setting aside some people from the crowd to do what he came to do. When At the time Jesus went to the cross, there were very few people left. You remember that? On the day of Pentecost, how many people were there? Just 120 people. That's three years ministry, right? Three and a half years of ministry all over the land. Great signs and wonders, miracles and all of that. And then on the day of Pentecost, only 120 people were there. If you look at it from man's viewpoint, don't look like a lot of success, right? But that's the way God does His thing. You don't have to worry about the numbers. These disciples, you are being discipled to do with work. Those out there, He sowed seed, right? So that these that were disciples on the day of Pentecost, after they preached, how many people came? 3,000. You think those people never heard Jesus? They heard him. They were part of the land, right? They were not strangers to what, when he spoke about Jesus to them, they knew who he was talking about when Peter spoke. Some of them believe us had that they've heard him. And now this was a confirmation. They probably saw him die. And here they see this guy. They got it. A few days later, it was how many? 
5,000 people. That's the way God does his work. When we come in here, I'm believing God that what's happening here is like what Jesus is doing, discipleship. So that we can go out and bring them in thousands to the fold of God. Until we focus on this thing and adopt God's agenda, you got your own. He has just one. God has only just one agenda in the world. Until you take that agenda and it becomes so dear to you, and you are willing to give your life for it, that's what Jesus said. Until you are willing to give your life for this agenda, no matter what happens to you, you may never truly know him on this side of heaven the way you should. He may never really walk with you on this side of heaven the way he should. Until you give it up and you adopt his cause. Peter said, we've left everything. We've given everything up to follow me. Because Jesus said, follow me and I will do what? I will make you fishers of men. Question. Have you followed him enough for him to do that to you? Where are you in your life? Are you a fisher of men today? Has he made you? If he hasn't, maybe you haven't been following the way you should. You know, words are simple. But I firmly believe, just like Jesus said, the words that I speak, they will be your joys on the last day. They will. Question. Have you been following Jesus? Really? You have? What will it take for him to make you a fisher of men? What will it take if it hasn't happened? Are you, at this time, a fisher of men? Is it part of your life? Do you even think about it? Does it even cross your mind? Or are you just going to church? This is the question you and I have to answer. You really need to answer that. Not only worshiping God, but serving Him. We have to do that. And if you have that heart, God will be speaking to you, just like Amy said tonight. He will open doors. Where they either come to you or they'll ask a question, that's how it works. But if nothing like that's happening in your life, nothing is really going on. I mean, nothing, really. Seriously. And we can get there tonight by positioning ourselves. You know, I like the words of Jesus. Stand up with me tonight. Jesus said, Their eyes, they're closed. They are dull of hearing. Their hearts are hard. They can't understand. He said, That's where Isaiah, Isaiah said it. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. Right? And I should hear them. Meaning, 
once they can, I got to heal them now. Once they can see with their eyes, and they can hear with their ears, and can understand what God is saying with their heart, they'll turn. In other words, they'll position themselves, and God doesn't have any choice. You met the requirement. He comes upon your life with all his glory and answer his prayer for you. Jesus help us. Tonight, will you sincerely in your heart turn to God and say, God, put this fire in me. I'm telling you, I'm praying the same thing. I need this. I really do. I really need this. I've been praying, God, I need this for me. Put me in a place where I can bring people to God. I need that. Not for church. I need to win souls for God. I need to do that. God released me somehow. I like my wife going to Philippines. A lot of people were going to be saved. I'm jealous. But I want to win souls for God. I got to see them. I have to see them come in the house of God. When I turn back, I see them with their hands raised up, worshiping God. This guy who was out there cursing God and people before... Now, my heart is filled with joy. One day we'll be in heaven together. That's what this thing is all about. Not about filling the pews. The pews are going to be filled. But would you turn tonight? Would you make a commitment to God tonight? Would you enter into a covenant to God, with God tonight and say, God, could you change me so that I can be a soul winner? The Bible says if you are a soul winner, you're right. Close your eyes with me tonight. Please talk to God from the heart. Tell him to send you to them and bring them to you both ways. You are willing to speak on his behalf. You are willing to be used by God. You are willing to bring them to the house of God. You call them, you nag them, just like Samuel nagged me. Samuel will not let me. This is the man that brought me to the Lord. He won't let go. He kept bugging me constantly till I finally decided, okay, I'll go with you to church. I thought I was just going to church with Samuel. I didn't realize I was getting converted. By the time I realized what, was, what, was, what had happened to me, it was too late. I had to continue. And God has kept me till this day. May God give you grace tonight. May God give you understanding that Jesus died for these things. And he's waiting for us. He made us the light of the world. Don't hold back. Reach out to your neighbors. Reach out to friends. Reach out. They're there with you. Invite them. Insist. Be persistent. Until God does a new work in them. I wish the whole of our fellowship would do this. So that God can begin to bring them in. And they can begin to refer to you. That's the one that led me to the Lord. That's my father in Christ. That's my mother in the Lord. I rejoice in you. And connect with you just like your own child. And they stay with you. They trust you more than their own relatives. Because you brought them to the master. That's what we're looking for. And only Jesus can make that happen. Every other thing is vain. Father God, speak to our hearts tonight. As we stand before you tonight, O oh God Almighty, 
anoint us with your Holy Spirit and get our hearts converted so that we can do and be about our Father's business. We thank you for your great mercy. We thank you for your favor upon our lives. Put your word in our mouth and in our hearts so that we can speak the word of this life to those who are dying. Compel us, O God, to do your will, even according to the words of Jesus. I must do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you.